you would, open to 1 John. We'll continue our examine of this great book. And we're in chapter 5 today. We're going to read the first five verses of it together. First John chapter 5. Hear God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commands, and that his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. John has been dealing with this question over and over again. He's been asking the question this way. Do you love the brethren? How do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we love God's children? Now, chapter 5 seems to be saying the opposite thing. Well, how do I know if I love God's children? And he says, well, do you love God? He turns it around, he, the, the same question. How can I be sure that I love God? Well, do you love his children? Well, how can I be sure that I love God's children? Do you love God? These both go hand in hand. You can't separate them. Both of these things. And so we're tossed in John's argument from loving God to loving God's children and then from loving God's children to loving God in the way that he commanded. And how is he commanded that we love them? Love him by loving his children. And so uh, in this, I know we take the Lord's Supper today. I want us to approach it a little bit differently. Sometimes we just walk through verse by verse by verse Today I want us to just take five phrases out of these five verses. And I want us to focus on those five phrases. And by understanding those phrases, we'll understand this text, and it'll hopefully prepare us even for the table that we'll have here in a moment. So the first phrase that I want you to notice is that phrase, born of God. The new birth, that's what he's talking about. Regeneration is a good biblical word, thoughtful word. The, our, our statement of faith, the Baptist Faith Message 2000 says this, regeneration or the new birth is a work of God's grace whereby believers become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It is a change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin to which the sinner responds in repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The new birth. This is what he says, the end of verse 1. Is born of him, or born of God. 
being born of God. Because you're born of God, he says, what flows right? Faith, belief. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has been born of God. Because faith comes. So there's regeneration, and what's the, it's seen. How is it seen? New birth, how is it seen? Oh, I have faith in God. I have love towards God. We're going to see lots of things that flow from this. Obedience uh, uh, is going to flow from this. But it's this phrase, born again. You know that phrase? It's falling out of fashion. We don't, maybe it sounds a little foreign. Uh, so growing up, there was Banner Man. You know, you know who Banner Man is? He used to always be at football games, and he would stand behind the goalpost with a big sign. It's a John 3.16, or it's a you must be born again. Always had the sign. There was Banner Man. We don't use that phrase anymore. But it's a Bible phrase. We need to make sure we not only use it, but we understand it. It's important. It's what Paul says when he speaks about the adoption as sons. John, of course, gave a whole chapter about being born again. John chapter 3, remember that? He's dealing with Nicodemus, the, the Pharisee. He was like the great Bible teacher of his day. And... Uh, uh, Here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus about Christianity 101. What's it take for us able to be able to appreciate, to see, to understand the kingdom of God? What's it take for us to understand spiritual things, Jesus? Remember Paul says to the Corinthians, the natural man does not understand, he does not perceive, he doesn't take in spiritual things. So how am I supposed to understand spiritual things? Where he says, well, the man without the Spirit of God doesn't understand spiritual things. Nicodemus says, how can a man enter the kingdom of God? How do you get to see the kingdom of God? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then two verses later, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus, a sinner. And he says, unless God, the Holy Spirit, graciously works in your heart, so this for your understanding, your will, your mind, your affections, and so it brings us out of darkness into light, you can't see it. You can't grasp it. You won't appreciate the kingdom of God. Then I love the next one. You know what Nicodemus says to Jesus? I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Jesus says, you can't understand it unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Right? Because he's not born again. He, he doesn't get it. He doesn't see it. He can't understand spiritual things. Nicodemus says, I don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. Well, Jesus says, unless you understand these things, uh, unless you understand these things, it's indicative you're not born again. And Nicodemus says, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, I wonder where you are this morning. Do you understand what the Lord's talking about? Has the Holy Spirit worked in your heart in such a way that you're born again? You're changed. You're different. 
Do you understand what John's talking about? Have you ever been born again? And that's not just a catchphrase. Have you been made new by God? Have you experienced the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that brings you out of a natural condition into a condition where now God's Spirit dwells in you? You're adopted into the household, the family of God. Are you a member of the family of God? Are you an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ? Are you? Or are you like Nicodemus that says, I don't understand what being born again is about. I don't understand what he means. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're talking about, Andy. Friend, listen to Jesus. Understand that if you don't understand these things, it's indicative that you're not born again. You're not. You're not a member of the kingdom of God. And you need to be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. This is George Whitfield. They said, George Whitfield, why are you always preaching about you must be born again? He said, you know the answer? Because you must be born again. <laughs> That's why I always preach on it. You must be born again. And that's what John's talking about. He's talking about those who have been born from above, those who are born again. That's the first, first word, regeneration, born again, born from above. That's the phrase. Now look at the second word, belief. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Belief is a consequence of new birth. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, they're what? They're born of God. Again, verse 5, the one who overcomes the world is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you're born again, how's, how are you going to demonstrate that? It's demonstrated through by your faith, believing Faith in what? Faith in whom? Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ. Verse 5. Faith in the Son of God. The person who is born again is the person. They've ex What's this new birth? What is it? When, so you go from natural man to new birth. And what is it you see? The beauty of Jesus. You see your sin. You confess it. You cling to Christ. How? By faith. That's what it, how it manifests itself. You say Jesus is the Messiah. He is the, he's the only Savior. He's the Savior for me. He's the only one who can save me from my sins. I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart that, that he died for me, for my sins on the cross. Jesus was without sin, and he died as my substitute. That's who Jesus is, and that's who I believe. He died for me on Calvary in my place. He took my sin, he took my shame, he took my guilt. He bore the very wrath of God that I deserve. He was raised from the dead. He defeated all of his enemies, and he's my only hope for eternal life. The person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Lord of glory. And you see this in the Bible. It's beautiful, right? So think about Paul. 
Paul, who had been raised in a Pharisee. Paul the Jew. Paul the Jew had recited the Shema every day of his life. In my Sunday school class, you can tell us, what is the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Paul had said that every day of his life. Now he comes to confess Jesus of Nazareth, who was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. He went about preaching and teaching. He died on the cross. That that Jesus is none other than the Lord of glory. James, Jesus' brother, he wrote the epistle of James. James was with Jesus when he was six years old. He was with, he, he was with Jesus when Jesus was uh, uh, 13 years old. He was with Jesus when Jesus was 18 years old. He knew Jesus. He grew up with him. And what do the opening verses of James' epistle say? Jesus Christ, my stepbrother, is God, the Lord of glory. Jesus is the Lord of glory. Remember when the, Jesus asked the disciples, who, who do you say that I am? You know, a lot of people say different things about who Jesus is. A.N. Wilson says, this A.N. Wilson, not me. A.N. Wilson says, Jesus was a good Jewish lad, a brilliant flair for shrewd moral teaching. He would have been horrified at the thought of people starting a church and worshiping him. Jesus certainly didn't rise from the dead. He was a mere man. A.N. Wilson said that. Barbara Thering who lectures on the Dead Sea Scrolls at Sydney, in Sydney, Australia, said Jesus was part of a sect who lived at Kuram, in the Kuram district. He was married with three children. Then he divorced and remarried. He didn't die on a cross. That's what she thinks about Jesus. But who do you say Jesus is? There was the heretic John Shelby Spong, Anglican, he said Jesus wasn't born of a virgin because Mary was raped. Jesus himself got married. In fact, the wedding at Cana was probably his wedding. That's what he thinks. What do you think? Who is Jesus? Is he the Lord of glory? What do you think this morning about Jesus? All those people, the three that I mentioned, they will answer on the day of judgment for their words. But so will you. Who do you think Jesus is? The one who is born again sees spiritual things. Their eyes are opened and they say, Jesus is the Lord of glory. Jesus is the one I've always rebelled against, but now I must bow the knee to him. That's what the Spirit does, right? The Spirit always shines the spotlight on Christ. And when the Spirit's at work in our hearts, we say, Jesus, I've never seen him this beautiful. Jesus, I never knew I needed him like this. Belief. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only Savior of sinners, the Lord of glory? Third word, love. You knew John was going to get here, right? <laughs> He's going to get here. Love. Here's another effect of the new birth. It was, 
There were people who claimed to be Christians in John's time, and there were Christians who claimed to be people who claimed to be Christians in our time. But they have no sense of connectedness with brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And by their lifestyles, Jesus says, they, or John says, they are declaring themselves not to be born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children as well. Isn't that amazing? What's the very nature of a child of God? You love other children of God. You, you love the family. And we've been here before. And the reason we're here before is because John has been taught by the master. And John remembers how in the upper room Jesus said three different times. Jesus told him, hey, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You love one another. He remembers how Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. He remembers when Jesus says, the things I command you so that you will Love one another. John says, here's the mark that you're a Christian. Here's, here's the mark that you're born again. You got true faith in Jesus Christ, and you love one another. You love the people of God. So John is not saying, hey, just love, just drop all your doctrinal beliefs. Just, just, just love. No, no. Because he's already given us a doctrinal test. He's already given that to us. You've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ. You've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's non-negotiable. And if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you love God, do you see what you'll do? You'll love the brothers. You'll love the sisters. This is the mark of one who's been born from above. We love one another. Look at the next word. Obedience. Here's the fact of the new birth. There is willing obedience. Verse 3 says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Isn't that beautiful? They're not burdensome. Notice uh, in the plural there, commandments in the plural, sometimes it, with that word commandment, like the law or the commandment is singular, sometimes it means the law generally. But when, usually when it's in the plural like that, it means like the Ten Commandments, the moral code, God's moral law. He says, it's not burdensome. Not burdensome. So, the fourth commandment is not burdensome. Keeping the Lord's day is not burdensome. In fact, it is our delight to gather and worship the Lord. It's not burdensome. Why? Because we love the Lord. We love to be in his presence. We love to sing our praises to Jesus. That's a mark of a, a true Christian. The law, remember the new covenant. We're celebrating the new covenant, Jesus' blood. What's one of the things of the new covenant? The law is written on our hearts. The law is here, written here. The moral law of God. So we've become Christians. You know, before you was a Christian, it's not possible not to sin. You know what that means? It means all you do is sin. 
Before you're a Christian, that's all you ever do in every way. All you ever did was sin, but now you've become a child of God. You're, you're his child. You've got a new relationship. You're not perfect. We sin every day in thought and word and deed. Everything we think, say, do, that's contrary to God's commands. We do that. But there's this desire in my heart because that law is written on there and I want to keep the law of God now. It's not burdensome anymore. It's not a law that threatens. It used to threaten me. It doesn't threaten me anymore. It, it used to condemn me. It doesn't condemn me anymore because Christ has taken my condemnation. It, now it's a law that invigorates, it motivates. I want to please the Lord in the way I live. It, it challenges me to live for the Lord. William Barclay, in his commentary on 1 John, talks about a, a child who's on his way to school, and this is before they had yellow buses that would pick people up. and They didn't have bus systems. And this little boy, every day, would go to school, and this guy noticed that this child carried this other little boy on his back every day. Finally, one day, the man asked the child, he says, do you carry him to school every day? He said, Yes. He said, well, that's a heavy burden for you to carry. The child said, no, he's no burden. He's my brother. He's my brother. It wasn't a burden. He loved him. He loved him. It wasn't a burden for him. And the moral law of God is not burdensome for the believer. The psalmist says, I delight to do thy will. Yea, oh, my God. Your law is written in my heart. And in the new covenant, that's what's happened. Last word, victory. We sang about it, didn't we? Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Verses 4 and 5, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Just our faith. How about that? Not, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our great intellectual prowess. No. Not degrees in theology. Not membership at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Simply this, faith. Empty hands, stretched out, embracing the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. That overcomes the world. That's what overcomes the world. That's what overcomes sin. That's what overcomes temptation. That's what overcomes our failures. That's what overcomes the hostility of the world, the flesh, and the devil that Scott prayed about earlier. Our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Christ. Faith is the victory. So, are you struggling this morning? This is a real question. Because you came in that back that door with the smell of battle all over you. Because it's been a hard week. And you you're struggling. You're struggling with yourself. You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with temptation. That might be where you are today. And you feel it and you know it. And you're trying to grin so no one else knows it. That's you. It's a lot of us. 
do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ today? That faith, exercising that faith, will be the victory. It's looking to Jesus. That's the victory. That's what it is. So if you're struggling, maybe you're struggling with somebody, another Christian, because we've seen, and we know from experience, Christians can be hard to deal with. If you're struggling with another Christian, Christopher Wright said, to dwell above, to dwell above, to dwell above with saints above, that will be glory. To dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. Yeah, you may feel that, like, ugh, these people are just wearing on me. Well, friends, look to Christ. Temptation comes, look to Christ. Weariness sets in in the battle, look to Christ. You want victory? Look to Christ. Don't look to yourself. Do not look to yourself. Don't look deep down and try to find the strength, the power, the gust. No. Don't look to your attainments. Don't look to your past records. Don't look to membership. Don't look to baptismal certificates. Look to Jesus. Look to Christ. You know what? I don't see Jerry Hogue. You know what it is to whiff a golf ball? You know what I mean when I say? So, everybody, you're on the tee box. If you don't golf, I'll try to explain it. You're on the tee box. Everybody's looking at you. You rear back. You're going to put a dent. You're going to physically hurt that ball. And you swing, and you miss the whole thing. And you come up, and that club hits you in the back. But that doesn't hurt you. What hurts is all those people just saw you whip the golf ball. You were ready to unleash 300 yards of power, and you missed the whole thing. One of the most embarrassing things <laughs> when it happens. You're standing there. What's the problem? What, what, went, what went wrong? Well, in my case, a lot of things went wrong, like no skill. But what's the main problem? You took your eye off the ball. If you had at least been watching the ball, it would have at least gone that way or dribbled or something. But you took your eye off the ball, and you missed it completely. That's the principal problem. You take the, your eye off that ball, it's over. That's what John's saying. If you take your eye off Jesus, you'll fail every time. He takes your eyes off of Christ, you fail, you'll always fail. Victory comes in overcoming the world and in its hostility, its hostility towards us. Victory comes. How? By looking to Jesus. Looking to Christ. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look to Jesus. Is that where you're looking? Well, let's pray, and then we'll look at this table that is the picture of the saving Christ.
Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your word. Would you bless it that we would not just hear your word and that we not just know what it says, but that through your word we would love our Savior more and more, that our eyes would be set upon him, that we would know the victory that comes only in Christ by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.